I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Um, Exodus chapter 20, we have been working our way through the 10 words from Exodus 20, um, sometimes referred to as the 10 commandments. I've been using this phrase, words or commandments, kind of interchangeably. And tonight we march on. Tonight we come to this word with regard to honoring our father and our mother. And as is our um, custom, we will pair this reading from, with a reading from the opposite testament, in this case, the New Testament. I'll be reading from the book of Ephesians. I want to encourage you to listen carefully and closely to this God's word to us from Exodus chapter 20. I'll read the fuller context before we get to our sermon text. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness for yourself or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then for tonight, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Actually, I'm going to read from Ephesians, then we'll pray. (laughs) And from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, we ask that you would now do the thing that only you can do. Lord, we ask by the power of your spirit that you would shine light on these words. Lord, in your word, Lord, would you illuminate them that we can behold wondrous things. 
But we ask that you would shine light on dark and tender, in particular tonight, places in our hearts. And Lord, when you shine light there, would you also heal? Lord, would you use this passage in the words I've prepared, Lord, to shape us into more the people you'd have us be, we pray. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So we're referring to this sermon series in Exodus as the 10 words. So I thought I would begin tonight's sermon by giving you 12 words. Okay? So here's 12 words for you. Your relationship with the Lord. Your relationship with your parents are connected. And when you hear me say that, three reactions may have bubbled up inside your heart and your soul. One of three, perhaps two of three, Perhaps three of three. Reaction one, for some of you, when you heard me say that, you thought, hmm, like I'm curious, but that sounds great. Because perhaps your relationship with your parents is marked by, for the most part, healthy things. For some of you, when you heard me say those words, the reaction that might have come up inside your heart was that of a cringe. Because perhaps your relationship with your parents was or is or has been marked by unholy things, difficult things, painful things. A third reaction that might have happened, which is the reaction that happened inside of me when I thought about this this week and when I just said it just now, is really a mixed reaction. I felt some good things and I felt some not so good things simultaneously. And it's into that, whatever just happened in your heart, that I think Exodus chapter 20 Verse 12 speaks. This fifth word, this fifth command to honor our father and mother, yes, is about honoring our father and mother, but hear me as we begin. It's also a word in general about the way that we relate to authority of all kinds in our life. And I probably don't have to tell you that we live in a culture that is filled with a very anti-authority spirit. So this passage will challenge us deeply. What, what this word teaches us and the rest of the scriptures will teach us that the way we relate to authority in our life, our parents being the first, is a training ground for how we will relate to God. 
if I can just thicken this just a little bit more as we begin, I, w- I want to say this. When God places authority, when the Lord places authority of all kinds over you, whether parental authority or other kinds, we'll unfold some of that as we go. When God places you under authority, what God is actually saying to you in that moment, he's asking you, will you trust and submit to me? So there's a lot here. And here's how we will approach this tonight. First, I want to just look at the command, honor your father and your mother. I want to look at that command, try to unfold what that means. Secondly, I want to focus on the reward that is promised. Your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So part one of our sermon is this idea of honoring our father and our mother. Part two is the idea of this reward. There's a part three. And part three will be me telling you with all the tenderness I have in me that more can be healed and redeemed than you know. Christ has made a way so that more can be healed and redeemed than you know. Christ has made a way for you to be able to, in him, in his strength, relate to authority redemptively and differently. So let's take a look. Look with me. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. Let's talk about this word, honor. The word itself has to do with heaviness and weightiness. So it has to do with acknowledging our parents, acknowledging our parents with the kind of weightiness that is due them. Like when you're around a person of substance, it's, it's a weighty feeling. And what we're being told here is to relate to our parents in a way that acknowledges their weighty significance. But let me try to unfold the word a little more. Honor in the scriptures means to respect, to praise publicly. Honor in the scriptures means to yield to. Honor in the scriptures means to submit to. Honor in the scriptures means to defer to. Honor in the scriptures means to acknowledge with reverence. And we're told to take up that posture with our father and our mother. But let me explain something a little bit deeper about the ancient world in which this text was written. The ancient world in which this text was written was not a post-World War II suburban family situation. You know, it's kind of unheard of the way that perhaps a husband and wife marry each other and have children and they all live together in sort of a nuclear family um, on a certain address in a suburb somewhere. That's kind of rare in the history of human persons. I mean, the thing you strive for a lot of your life to achieve, just know it's a brand new idea. For most of human history, including this ancient world, a mother and a father would live with their children, even their adult children, and then their grandchildren. Aunts and uncles would live nearby, cousins would live nearby, maybe not all under the same roof, but more than likely in the same sort of 
compound abode within a village. So this command to honor a father and a mother, just know it begins to extend to familial authority more broadly than just a nuclear family, but to a community as a whole. In other words, it's this rich idea of the elders of a community, those who are older, wiser, with more experience. For all of human history, okay, for all of human history, societies looked like a triangle, okay? There were a lot more young people than there were older people, okay? Now, in a modern world, because of modern medicine, societies look more like a square, like a square shape. There are almost as many old people as there are young people. But all that to say, in the ancient world, older people were rare. In the ancient world, to be in your 30s was considered to be older. But just know that this command is extending beyond like a a father and a mother. It includes that, but it begins to extend to sort of a community as a whole. And what this text is telling you and I with our our literal mother and our father, our biological mother and our father, as well as those in our family who are older than us. What this text is telling us is to respect, acknowledge their weightiness, praise them publicly, yield to them, submit to them, defer to them, acknowledge their significance, take up a posture in their direction that acknowledges their great worth. The only other person that will be that God's people will be told to respect like this will be the Lord himself. So in other words, give a kind of due to your parents. The kind of due you would give to your parents, that's the kind of due you give to God. The kind of due that you would give to God, it's something like that, the direction you should be giving due to your parents. It's a heavy thing, isn't it? Now hear me. I don't think this text is saying absorb all of your parents' unhealthy, sinful patterns. Just sit there and take abuses. It's not saying you can't have boundaries. It's not saying that as you become an adult, with your own children, it's not saying that this command doesn't shift and change to some degree, but it doesn't go away. It's not the same as to obey our parents, but the command to honor them never goes away. And and, uh, I know that's a lot to take in, and, and so let me just kind of try to give you an example. Let's say that my biological parents, Tip and Mary Busby, let's say that they had a wish for my life and I didn't think it was right. Let's say that they asked something of me that I did not think was right, okay? This text is not saying, too bad, Joel, do what they say. What it's saying is if I'm going to go against what they want, then I have to understand the weightiness of what I'm doing. So, for example, I would go and talk to them. I'd sit down face-to-face with them. I'd say, Mom and Dad, I underst- listen, I want to understand where you're coming from. But, but after weighing your advice and, and paying my respects, I, I think I should do something different. That's, that's the kind of posture we're talking about, the kind of posture that doesn't go away. 
It's interesting that when Christians have read this passage throughout the millennia, they've always naturally extended this call to honor our father, father and mother to honoring authority in our life of all kinds. So father and mother, yes. Um, the larger extended family, yes. Perhaps people in an employment situation who are above you, yes. Um, perhaps a spiritual leader or authority in your life, yes. A professor or a teacher, yes. In other words, to extend this call to honoring our father and mother extends all the way to honoring other kinds of authority in our life, government leaders and officials. In other words, in the scriptures, authority is very, 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 very good. One of the greatest gifts that God gives a human person in this world is to put them under authority. It's one of the greatest things God does. Authority, when understood biblically, is always a good thing for you. Authority, when held rightly, is always a good thing for you. See, to hold authority in the Bible is to sacrifice for another person's highest good in flourishing. Who doesn't want to be under that? It's worth noting that Satan's original trick in the garden was an authority issue. It was his whisper, you don't have to really be under his authority. And for us to immediately assume all authority is bad is to give our hearts over to Satan's original lie. Being under authority is where we're trained to know how to worship God, how to live with him, how to obey him. I want to ask you like a hard question, and I'm asking it to me. Does the struggles you have with your parents, do they not mirror the struggles that you have spiritually? The struggles with your parents are often very closely connected to the struggles you have with the Lord. So that's what this text is saying when it's calling us to honor and to honor authority. And look, the second part here at the reward. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother why is there any reward that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you? That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This phrase, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, is the Old Testament's version of the good life. It is the Old Testament's versions of the kind of holy grail like as a human person, you were made, you were made to dwell with God's people in God's place under his rule. This phrase that your days may be long in the land that I'm going to give you 
is a way of saying that if you will take up this call to honor authority, you will taste sweetly of the promises of God. A kind of intergenerational peace and joy will be yours if we live and embody this command. Here's the way I thought about it this week. This is going to be a funny way to say it. It's the only thing I could think of, though. There is a 76-year-old version of Joel Busby someday. Could be 78, could be 80, I just picked a number. Who will look back on my life and be glad that I learned to live under authority and thus learn to live under God. I'll be glad I did. There'll be a sweet kind of satisfaction and reward in that moment. When I spend time with my grandmother, there are times when I've spoke to her, I spoke to her recently at a family wedding, and she just spoke to me of how blessed and how satisfied and how happy she feels because of all her grandchildren and her you know, adult children and her great-grandchildren and just this reward, this reward, this, this satisfied life. And the scriptures say that that is, is, theirs, is ours for the taking if we'll learn to live under authority. Now, now, it's not an exact promise. It's more like a proverb. It's trying to say, in general, you'll be glad. You'll be glad. This is the way life normally works. It doesn't mean that, that we're guaranteed a long life. It's, it's not like that. But it's this general principle that we'll be glad we yielded and submitted to God-given authority. So the call to honor our father and our mother and all authority, the reward promised the good life. And now finally, thirdly, and importantly, as your pastor and friend, I want to tell you that more can be redeemed and healed than you know. See, when I said these words at the beginning of this sermon, when I, when I said those words, some of you thought, hmm, that's nice because your relationship with your parents has been mostly good. And, and, and maybe what I would say to you as a call to action might be to pin a letter to your parents this week. But for those of us that perhaps felt a bit of cringe because of some painful things, for those of us who feel a little bit of a mix of painful, hard things as well as some good things, I want to just talk to you really directly. See, I said earlier that authority is meant to be for your good. If you were to describe to me someone who held their authority rightly and used it to bless you, I'm, you're probably describing to me the sweetest thing that's ever happened to you in your life. But the reverse is also true, isn't it? If anyone who held authority over you used it not to bless you, but to wound you, to hurt you, 
you're probably describing to me the hardest thing you've ever endured in your life. You're probably thinking of the worst relationship that you've ever had. So I want to speak to you directly. First, I want to make sure you hear very clearly tonight as an announcement of the truth. Christ is a great savior, but don't forget that he's also a great redeemer. See, here's what it means to redeem a thing biblically. It means to buy it back. Something that was taken has been purchased back and restored to its rightful place. And our Lord Jesus is in the business of redeeming things, people, stories, situations, families. There's a promise in the book of Joel that he can restore the years that the locusts have eaten away. So I want to end tonight before we celebrate this table by just pointing out some things about Jesus as a way to tell you that more can be healed than you know. So Jesus, think about this for a second. Jesus Christ, this is Jesus Christ we're talking about. The scriptures teach that he yielded himself, yes, to a human body, but he yielded himself to a human mother. He yielded himself in the household of a human father. And throughout the pages of the scriptures, his mother Mary, even at times, does not understand him, but you see him responding to her respectfully and honoring her. You see him living under parental authority with humility. And this is Jesus we're talking about. There's a throwaway line in Luke chapter 2 that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, which is a throwaway line to say from the time Jesus was a child to the time he was an adult, he more or less cooperated and abided in the home of his parents. 30 years in one line. There's a time where he's in the temple. Yeah, that's a part that begins to hint at something deeper. And they go to find him, and he says, did you not know that I'd be in my father's house? And he didn't mean Joseph. There was something deeper going on. But the humility of Jesus Christ, y'all. I mean, think about this. Jesus Christ made his mother and father, created them with the words of his mouth. And he yielded to them. He honored them. And I'm here to tell you tonight, in his humility, you can find yours. A second thing I want to make sure you hear from me tonight. Remember that the Lord Jesus Christ rules the universe by the word of his power. The creed confesses that he ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Jesus Christ is the judge of the universe. And here's what that means. This is precious truth. 
It means that there's not one time where there's ever been neglect, ever been abused, abused by an authority, not one time that went unnoticed by him. And there is an absolute promise from him to judge these things and to make them right. You will be vindicated for any suffering you've ever endured. See, it's in Christ's righteous judgment that you can find a deep, deep freedom. It's Jesus we're talking about. And the scriptures teach that Jesus gives us access to the Father, the true Father. In the Gospel of John, we saw it. There's this intimate relationship between Jesus and the Father. He's never doing anything unless the Father tells him, and he's yielding to his Father's will every step along the way, and it's Jesus' perfect obedience to the Father that the Scriptures teach give you and I access by faith to this Father, that you and I have adoption as sons and daughters In other words, all the riches, all the riches in the universe that the Lord God possesses are yours in Christ, everything. And there's something about knowing the riches you have in Jesus that can keep you from looking for things where they cannot be found. See, if you have, if you possess all the riches in Jesus, if all the worth and all the approval and all the provision you've ever needed in your entire life can be found in Jesus, if it's all there, then you have a deeper kind of security and you can let go the things you can't find in your earthly parents. And you can begin to, rather than look to them for something they cannot provide, you can begin to, I don't know, honor them for who they are, broken as they are. Jesus, this is Jesus we're talking about. He goes, the scriptures teach us, to the cross. And all the wrongs that we have done and all the wrongs done to us have been nailed there. And that can teach us to be a people who forgive. This is Jesus we're talking about. He's a great redeemer. Do you know how many messed up family trees appear in the scriptures? It will blow your mind. But he can redeem. There's a place in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 the Apostle Paul rattles off all the things that used to mark God's people. And there's a line that says, and such were some of you, but you've been washed. I'm here to tell you that more can be redeemed than you know. Let's pray. Lord, we look to you to vindicate and to judge to make wrong things right, to let nothing go unnoticed. Lord, we look to you to teach us to be people who can forgive and be set free. Lord, we look to you to find our sonship or our daughtership. 
all the riches and provision that we need. Lord, we look to your humility to teach us. Help us receive it as a gift. Lord, help us be people who can relate to authority rightly, righteously, redemptively, not because it's easy, Lord, but because you've made a way. Lord, for those who hold authority in this room over employees, Lord, over a team, Lord, over children, Lord, over a church, God, I pray that you would make us deeply humble and gentle. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.